Welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me today, as always, is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Tyler, aka Verum. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning into another episode. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on social media. Um, all the links to those things will be in the description. You can also check out our website, pagesoflight.com, to see our blog. I also have a link to put your email in to get on our email list uh, if we ever start to use um, email marketing. So you can do all of those things if you would like to. Um, in this episode, we are going to be talking about the last two Elantris-related stories uh, that Brandon Sanderson has written. The first one is going to be a short story called The Hope of Elantris, which is um, set basically during the same time as the book Elantris, which was in the last two episodes. So if you haven't uh, watched or listened to those, go check them out. Um, so that's just a little short story. It's only like well, like 25 pages or something? 30 oh pages. my gosh, it, it was, was really so short. 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 Yeah, yeah, the Audible book yeah. was 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes. Which, yeah, 30 like, minutes. War, Warbreaker was 28 hours. So, yeah. very short. Yeah. So, <laughs> really short. So, nothing drastically amazing happens in that story. Um, but we'll just talk about it a little bit. Um, and then the second uh, thing we're going to talk about, which is more more the meat of the episode, is going to be The Emperor's Soul, which is a Ooh. novella. That's also set in the same, uh, it's on the same planet that Elantris takes place, but it's in a different part of the world. Uh, I think it's to the north of Teod, which is, which you would remember from Elantris. Um, if you, if you remember on the map of Elantris, if you have the physical book, um, there's like Teod is at the north and then there's nothing after that. Um, but whenever we read The Emperor's Soul, we realize that this is taking place somewhere in the north of, uh, on that map so we kind of get some insight into what's going on to the north of everything that was happening at elantris um yeah so that's going to be the game plan for these for this episode and yeah gabe do you have any other thoughts before we just jump into this discussion uh yeah i'm just excited about um the hope of elantris was um was a small good read, but the Emperor's Soul is really where the meat of this podcast is going to be. I'm I'm very excited to talk about that one. So, yeah, I think I'm ready for it. Awesome. All right, so we're just going to jump in. So we'll just start off with the Hope of Elantris, which is the smaller of the two. Um, and yeah, the one thing that I loved at the very beginning is we just get the reveal that Serene is pregnant, which is pretty cool. Um, just uh, I guess it just makes you like more hopeful for like the end of Elantris. The ending was really hopeful, but you just kind of get like the next steps in their story and the next things that ha- is happening for uh Ray. Yeah. You're Serena getting a glimpse Serena. into what's to come. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I'm happy for them. I think they're, as we said before, they are a, a serious power couple. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be good. Um, but the main, uh, like story of the the hope of Elantris follows a character named Mattisee. I think that's how you pronounce her name, Mattisee. 
Metasy. Metasy. Uh, uh, yeah, uh. I did not record that one. I recorded people <laughs> from the Emperor's Soul. So for the listeners, I am trying to record myself saying the name so that I can say it right in the podcast. And I did it for the Emperor's Soul, but not for Hope of Elantris. Next time. <laughs> it's going to be good. Uh, that's okay. Um, yeah, so it's basically just following her story as there's some things happening during Elantris where that's things that's happening uh back in Elantris whenever the action is happening in Teod. So that's basically whenever we take that detour all the way up to Teod, whenever Serini gets captured by the uh the decor monks and uh Dilof. So whenever we're going up there towards the end of the story, this is what's happening back in uh in New Elantris whenever uh the decor monks are attacking Elantris and they're trying to basically like purge everybody. Um, that lives in Elantris. So this is kind of a little story that's happening uh, during that time. Yeah, so at the beginning, um, this is like when Raiden is, he's talking to Ash, actually, which is the Sion of uh, Serini. And he said, you know, Ash, where were you during, you know, during that time frame? And it's kind of his, like, Ash's remembrance of that, um, of that time. And so, and that's when we get the glimpse into Serini getting, um, is pregnant. And so this is kind of like traveling back to the, um, Elantris timeline and, and further filling in the story, um, from another perspective. What would you say the summary of the hope of Elantris is? What's the main storyline? Yeah. So basically the story is, follows this girl named Madisy, who's like, I think she's like a teenager, like a young teenager. And she's tasked with protecting the children during this like invasion of Elantris. And uh, she has to help all of the kids escape from like the bad guys. And she's trying to get them to the library, which she thinks will be a safe place. And yeah, so it's basically just the story of like what happens before the attack. um, Then finding out about what's happening. Dash, um, which is like her quote father father figure because her real dad died um so like he leaves and takes all the soldiers to go uh confront the attack and then she stays and she tries to get all the children to the library and that's that's basically the story and then um we'll get to the ending i i assume a little bit later um oh yeah but there there will be spoilers for this by the way so um i'm always assuming that we we have no holds barred (laughs) yeah no holds barred on this podcast so yeah because Um, i i I think about everyone i'm like they won't read every single book that we read that's true so they just gotta they just gotta expect that we're gonna we're gonna drop some knowledge that's right um but yeah so i i think it's interesting how you know i you know we're, we're we're talking about god in the podcast and i think how it's interesting that Dash is is the dad figure and he is fighting to defend, which is what a dad is called to do, is you know, be like the defender of the family. Um, and then um, then you have this kid. I, I, I don't know how to say it. Is it Matthias? I'm not sure. So, but her role is to get everyone to the library. And so, you know, 
they could have switched roles. She could have been the defender and he could have taken the kids to the library. But, you know, we're all called to do different things. And it's all about um, where we are in life, you know, because she's a little kid. She's not going to be able to fight full-grown men. And he's a full-grown man. And uh, so it's like a combination of, you know, what situations are we, like, put in as people? And, like, what are the relationships around that situation? And what what is God calling us to do in those situations? Um that was kind of my thought, my, um, you know, trying to tie in our faith here to the storyline. Um, did you have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, the one thing I wrote down in the, in the story, she says that she protects the children because the Lord's spirit gave her the task. And I just thought that was an interesting quote because it's almost like if you just replace like Lord spirit with God, not that, Raiden is God, but in this particular instance, like he is seen as like a God figure or like a, a king type figure. And he's giving people tasks in this civilization called New Elantris. And um, that's like her whole world. Like her whole world is I protect the children and then I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to like do my best in that, what in that specific task that I was given. And um, I feel like a lot of times uh, for Christians, we like to think, like try to figure out our own tasks and like give ourselves things to do instead of just looking at maybe the gifts that God has given us and, um, trying to make the most of those. Um, sometimes we can kind of like think like, I don't like my gift or, you know, stuff like that where you're not, um, you're trying to be somebody you're not in a sense. Um, but I like that she is like, she's full fully bought into her task and she's going to do it with her whole heart and soul. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of like that about her character. Yeah. I, um, I definitely identify with that. Um, it is so nice to be, if you feel like you've been called by God to do something, it's so nice to be in that space, um, where, um, you're like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I, I have recently found myself in that situation. Um, just a quick anecdote. Uh, I was in Home Goods, and I invited a couple that I met there to a marriage class at our church. And then they were talking to me after the class, and um, I was feeling like God was asking me to, um, you know, pour into them. And, and like, so I said, you know, would it be ridiculous if I offered to cover the cost of the class for you guys? And she just looked at me and she had like tears in her eyes and she just said, you know, we were praying for, uh, you know, to God about our marriage and like we were looking for help and you've like answered that prayer for us um, because it was just this chance meeting. And uh, yeah, it's really beautiful when God's plan starts coming together. And I and I feel like I've, I've found my way on the path. Like I'm not on the path, but like I like yep. trod across the path. And then in those moments, like good things happen. So the whole idea is to be on the path going towards God. And I kind of meander on the path, off the path, on the path, off the path. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's a little bit about my journey. Well, that's basically everybody's journey going on and off the path. Nobody ever. Unless they're going in the wrong direction and don't even know who God is. <laughs> that's true. Then you're just always off the path. Yeah, you're like looking for money or like, um, you know, you 
act out of brokenness, like you were treated the wrong way. And, um, you know, it's hard to break those um, habits of the family of origin. If you come from a broken place, it's hard to see the light and start walking towards it. Um, and I yeah. love at the end of the podcast, Tyler, how you um, tell everyone to share the gospel with someone. I'm like, oh, that's such a good reminder that we need to be doing that all the time. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I think um, another thing about this story and just Madisy as a character, I know that's the, probably the wrong pronunciation, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> um, we'll get it. We'll get it. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that she she believes so much in her task that she's willing to sacrifice herself to save the children. So like at one point in the story, she realizes that like she's going to have to be a diversion for them so that the, all the children can get away. And so she sends, I think she sends Ash along with the children to take them to the library. And she makes this distraction to try and get all of these, uh, decor monks to, uh, follow her. And, uh, cause I think she saw that, uh, Dasha dash had fallen, or had gotten killed or something like that. And she realizes like, she's the last line of defense essentially. And, um, like stepped up to the plate. Yeah. She stepped up to the plate and she's like, I need, I need to be prepared to give my life for, um, the people that I'm to have uh, that kind of conviction. uh, Yeah. The people that I've been given charge over. So like, and that's like, as Christians, we're supposed to like feel that exact same way about our faith. Like we're supposed to be willing to potentially die for our faith should we be confronted in a situation like that. And um, I think and step I, up into situations where God calls us to step up and step into them. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a life or death situation, but there's so many times where like, maybe you see an opportunity that you could take advantage of for the gospel. And maybe you're like, ah, but I don't want to do it because I'll feel uncomfortable or people will think I'm weird or, you know, fill in whatever box you want to fill in with, um, just not maybe doing something that, you know, um, God's calling you to do just because you, yeah, you know, you've, you don't feel like it's, uh, it's not going to help you personally. It's only going to help God. And, uh, you're just, we're just being selfish in, you know, how we live our, life. We live our life. Oh yeah. I'm selfish. Like 99% of the time I'm really <laughs> working <laughs> yeah. on trying to yeah. be selfless. The way As God are we all. We're, we're all selfish. Yeah. But I just, I, I think there was just a, a lot of little bit, little tidbits and little nuggets in this story. Um, just to kind of like that parallel of the Christian life. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was a pretty good story. Of course, at the very end we have like the, after, uh, read and like figures out how to fix the magic system then all of the magic comes back and dash is healed and he's able to um come back and save uh her his quote daughter um and uh save everybody so that's kind of how it ends but the story is really just about madisy and her um her struggle and her um um living out her convictions so yeah yeah it was a it was a good read it was a short one um but it was good yeah all right so that's gonna conclude our discussion on the hope of elantris if you have thoughts about the hope of elantris please leave a comment or uh on the youtube or um i don't think there's an email you can send anything to but yeah leave a comment on the youtube uh or a review 
on the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. Leave yeah, a review. help us out with some reviews. Yes, I think we do have one review, maybe two. I haven't looked in a while, but um, good. I've been talking to my friends, people going to New York. Been like, yeah, you should listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing it far and wide. I'm always gonna share. I'm always gonna try and share. All right. Uh, let's jump into The Emperor's Soul. Uh, this is a novella. It's about 110-ish pages, 120 pages, something like that. Oh, and um, it's good, though. It's real good. It is pretty good. Um, very unique, as all of Brandon's works and magic systems are. They're always very different and unique and interesting. Um, and I love learning about different magic systems and things that he dreams up in his head. It's always It's always a joy for me to discover something new um yeah so the basic plot of the emperor's soul is that we're following a character named shay and she's like a what they call a forger which means she can um it's basically what you would think it is she can copy um things works of art um objects stuff like that and uh she steals the originals i think and then she leaves a copy of them in her in their place and she is caught as she's trying to forge something in the uh in this palace and she's in prison and the people who are in charge they come to her and they ask her if she can not just um normally she forges objects but they want her to forge the soul of their emperor who has become incapacitated or he's like brain dead or something like that um he can't uh he can't get up and he's just bedridden so they want her to copy his soul and give him a new soul that he so that he can be healed but they also need it to be so that people won't recognize that it's a different person so it has to be uh an exact enough copy that people won't think that anything nefarious had happened um so just that premise alone that's a pretty insane premise just copying somebody's soul to be exactly like it was before so i don't know what did you what did you think of just the story in general gabe and the premise oh man okay yeah let's get into emperor's soul this is gonna be a good conversation um okay so yeah shay is our main character and the forgery is also like a magic system like uh when tyler was describing it it sounds like she's forging you know forging making a forgery of paintings, excuse me, um, but also she has the ability to forge um, not just objects, but, you know, like down to this person's soul. And when she, to recreate the emperor's soul, she basically has to know him inside out. Like she spends, and she has 100 days to do it, so there's a period of mourning. Um, so the the king is not going to emerge from his, like, quote-unquote bed chambers for a hundred days so the um the leading class um led by ashravan and uh frava they, they're like in a circle of people they're called arbiters and the arbiters band together and say we can't leave this nation without the emperor and we need to bring him back so that he can continue to rule and we can continue to have influence and so they've and they, they loathe Shay. They don't like what she does. They think it's an abomination. Yet they tell her they want 
she's the best of the best. And so she has to use her forgery skills to make this emperor's soul again. And basically she does a lot of research. Uh, she does a lot of research and writing. She has to read like every single biography and she has to program in all of these like minutia like details like he has a little bit of mercy and in these situations he's going to be defensive um and it's basically writing neuron by neuron like the king's brain because our personality and who we are it all lives in our brain and the neural pathways that we've carved uh in our brain and the way that we think about things i like to quote stephen covey we think about things in deep and sustained ways and that's you know that's how we become who we are as we think about things in deep and sustained ways um and so she's basically working with a blank slate and then she has to recreate all of his life experiences to to just get those different shades of his personality just right you know making it exactly right so no one can tell the difference that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's just a crazy premise. And uh, yeah, she gets a lot of the information from his personal journals too, not just like stuff oh, that yeah, other people right. had not written, people. but it's a lot of his own personal writing so that you can really get to see like what he thought of behind the scenes. Maybe what he thought about something is different than what he talked about publicly. Like, so was like on get, record saying, you know, versus yeah, his so, personal yeah, thoughts. So. Yeah. And then she can also see like how he's changed as a person. So journals that he wrote earlier in his life have a different tone that compared to the ones that he has later in life. So she can see like how he started out as a person and how he's kind of changed over time. The longer he be, he was the emperor. Um, Cause obviously if you're in a position of power like that, you can go into it being one type of person, but you're it's in some ways you're going to be changed by the power um and like all the stuff that you have to do and make decisions about so and of course yeah every, every day and every week and every year we're changing as human beings and no one is the same person that they were a year ago 10 years ago whatever it is so um yeah so that's where she and gets people, and people can change her. which is like um you know, when, when I look at, I know justifiably that some politicians deserve to have their background like ripped out and like say this person did some bad things. But also like yep. there's some things you just do in like yep. Yep. your teenage years and like your early 20s and, and your brain doesn't even fully develop till you're like 21. And I'm convinced mine didn't yep. even fully develop till I was like 28. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like I wasn't working yeah. with a full yeah. deck until then. Um, yeah. But yeah. like, and people ha can make a decision to change. Um, and I think yep. that it's yep. so wrong to persecute people, you know, especially like us being Christians, like, you know, ye without sin cast the first stone. I mean, we've all messed up and, you know, yes. people who stand up to this high level of scrutiny and they dig up something that happened 10 years ago. I'm just like, yeah. Like I get it, it makes news and everything, but like, yeah. come on, where's yeah. you know where's the heart in that? Um, you know, you're just doing it to attack the person. Yeah, there's like no room for there's no grace in our society anymore. It's like whatever you did in your past is on the table to be talked about now, no matter dissected. What 
Yeah, no matter what you said in the past, no matter how many times you apologized or said, yeah, I realized that was dumb and I changed the way I thought about this or whatever it is. Yeah, I just I hate that about society. Like just the idea where you can't there's no room for growth and change. It's just like every person is always the same whenever they were young compared to whenever they are now. And that's just not how the world works. No, it's like let's judge someone by their worst, you know, like the thing yeah, that the is worst the worst thing about them. Action. And and yeah. it's not even something that like, you know, we don't have the grace to say, oh, they, they had a moment. Like sometimes people have bad days and they don't act the way yeah. that they yeah. do day to day. And then we take these situational things and then we just make them really big. I think what Tyler and I are saying is we need to have a little bit more grace with people and there are some people that don't that are just crazy and don't change and they're just lying through their teeth. But true. There are true. the yeah. other people who are actually changing and becoming better people. Yeah. Let's have a little grace, people. And that concludes our side quest for the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Maybe, side maybe quest we'll go on another we'll side, side quest. quest. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about um, the blood sealing and how it's similar to forgery, but it's a little bit different because you have to use the you have to use people's blood to make the stamps, whereas in forgery you're making stamps out of actual ink, and it's kind of like a a mirror to forgery, but it's like a darker version of forgery, and it's similar to because this also takes place in the same world as Elantris does. And so the magic system is similar in that it has like a like a dark side to it, and there's also a light side. So in Elantris, we had the Aeon Door, which is the Elantrian magic based on the lights and like the drawing of um, the uh, the Aeons. And then also in Elantris, we had the Decor Monks who are doing like the blood magic sacrificing stuff, and that's how the the Decor are able to get their power through basically blood sacrifices of other people. Um, so yeah. And, and the emperor's soul, the blood ceiling is used to like put this stamp on the door of, uh, Shay's little prison cell that she's being kept in for the 100 days. And so every morning this blood sealer has to come and like renew the stamp essentially. And if something, if she were to like open the door and escape, then the blood seal would be able to like track her and uh the blood sealer could send out like these skeletal minion kind of things after her and uh she does get to fight those at the end which is a it's it's a it's a cool scene for sure yep you know did you have any thoughts on just the blood sealing or we could talk about the fight scene at the end if you want to as well oh yeah well yeah, that was a pretty cool fight scene. Um, yeah, she's fighting the like the five. Um, she's in her like warrior mode, and she's just like all that matters is the challenge. And she like yeah. fights them off and like kills yeah. them, and yeah. then she like takes their heads and like wraps them up in her cloak and says, "I'm taking these, so you can't send them <laughs> after me." And then she stabs yeah. the guy in the leg and tells him to go like. Like, go talk to his girlfriend in the swamps or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, reluctantly in the palace where he really wants to be back home with her or whatever. And Shay, and like, had the understanding of him. And, like, because she's so good at reading people. She's the only person who can yep. produce the Emperor's soul out of, you know, soul stone because she is so 
good at understanding people and why they make the decisions that they make and the nuances of their personality. Uh, she's she's yeah. the only one yeah. with that like uh, deep view into people that could create. Uh, she's the master, and uh, you know even at the yeah. end of the book they yeah. talk about how like her true pride is that the forgery is going to stand the emperor's soul like he's going to continue to rule and it's you know not in front of like you know hundreds of people looking at the painting but thousands of people in the kingdom are going to be affected yep. by her yep. works um yep yep and then sorry another little side quest i think it's really cool how um she took like his boyhood self and like his aspirations to be like a strong leader um, yes, and yes. like that was a really cool like at the end where like instead of thinking about his next banquet he thinks about what his people need and um, you know I'll use the term I think Tony Robbins like it's a two millimeter <laughs> shift like from from you know I don't know if it, I don't think this actually qualifies as that so never mind <laughs> but like changing like your priorities to like instead of looking at like, what's the next payoff for me? Like, what is the responsibility I have to my kingdom that I'm running? Um, you know, we all have our little kingdom. Our pastor likes to say that he has his little kingdom. And it's like, he has his study. His, his and he garage. Has like, a garage. like, and his box. He's got, like, a box where he, like, organizes stuff. He's talked about the box. But anyway, yeah. He's like, I get yeah. to have my kingdom, yeah. my way. I get to organize it. Um and so, yeah, it's in, in that shift from like the selfish to the selfless is what she kind of programmed into him so that he could become the the emperor he was supposed to be. Um, yep. And she also denies Frava from getting the back door into, you know, to yep. darkly yep. manipulate him. Um, yep. Which was yep. pretty cool. Yeah, I like that she, um, at the beginning, she doesn't necessarily like want to do a good job she's just kind of like she's basically just doing everything that she can to like buy herself time so that she can escape escape yeah um and but then towards the end she she becomes so invested in what she's doing because what she's doing has never been done before so she can be like the first person to really do a soul forgery justice and to do it correctly and she actually just decides to do it to the best of her ability instead of trying to like sabotage it in some way or do like the backdoor thing like Frava wanted her to do. She really just does it for like the whole art of it. And that's kind of um, a lot of the, the story is about, you know, the, the arbiters see that what she does is like a, a like a, like a blasphemy almost. Um, and it's not like true art. And Gautana is, Galtona is always um, saying like, oh, you have so much potential and you're just wasting it on this stupid forgery thing where you could actually be a real true artist. And but like she actually does see what she does as true art. And then at the end, uh, Galtana does actually she he recognizes that and he's like, wow, she really what she does is masterpiece. It's a masterpiece and it is a and actually a work of art because to do what she does is like. It's like a next level, next level art. Yeah, because it doesn't I mean, just it's take, off the charts, like creativity and, you know, just persistence and insightfulness. It's like this whole blend of skills that 
not a lot yes. of people have. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, back to the the blood ceiling and uh I think I just really liked the I liked that fight scene at the end that you you mentioned and uh I'm watching we actually just finished uh my wife and I just finished watching Lock and Key the first season and uh in a scene in that show one of the characters there's this key that you can plug into your head and unless you access your mind and so in one of the scenes yeah the head key this girl she goes into her head and she finds her fear her essentially and she like takes out her fear she pulls it out of her mind and she like kills it and then she buries it in the forest or something so now she's basically a person yeah she's basically a person who has no fear and that really reminded me of this scene where she um she takes one of her five essences and she transforms her her past essentially into something that's completely different and new and it gives her like a new background and new sets of skills and that she like basically doesn't have any fear like she's all about like the warrior uh person she's all all about the challenge and the battle and all of that kind of stuff so and she's not like she can ignore the pain in a way and uh, it just really reminded me of that because she like transforms herself into a completely different person so that she can face this new challenge that she uh has to overcome in order that sh- so that she can escape uh from the palace so yeah i just thought it was a really cool really cool scene yeah um when you said that it rem- i was reading a book and it talked about like there is a clinical condition where like the amygdala where fear lives in the brain like is deactivated for a person and they cannot feel fear cannot remember the results of that study at the moment but uh yeah but that i mean that i mean a fear is what defines some people personalities the fear of not being accepted the fear of not living up to expectations um Fear is something that really motivates people because they, you know, they're taught that if they're not doing something that they could be called out on it and they get very fearful about that. Um, So, I mean, removing your fear has the potential to completely change you. Um, And then we also like want to try and lean on God wants us to have, you know, he wants us to have a head on our shoulders and feel fearful, but he wants us to rely on him for things so we don't have to feel fear. You know, we can rely on him to provide for us um, if we just, you know, look for him and seek him. Um, some people just, you know, pray it up and expect it to happen. But there also has to be a, a part of yourself looking and striving to be with God. Um, you know, sometimes he just gives it to you out of grace. But there also should be a part of you that's saying, I want to find him. I want to seek him um, so that he can provide for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we talked about the first essence that she uses, uh, which I think is the Shazan. That's the first yeah, one that she, Sh- she uses. Shazan, I think. Um, you want to give yeah. us the rundown of her rundown. five essence sure, marks? Sure, yeah. Essence marks? Shay's five essence marks. Um, so, so I'll just tell you about the Shazan is translated to... Um, Shea the Fist is an extremely skilled warrior who spent the last 15 years among the Tolui people who adopted and trained her in martial arts. They also gave her the name Shazan. 
Gaining access to the Tului training was very difficult. Shazan was nearly killed a dozen times while training. Um, she has a lean, hard body, short hair, and scars that stretch from her nose down around her right cheek. Unlike Shay, she doesn't need spectacles. She doesn't know how to create soul stamps and doesn't have scholarly inclinations. So it's it's interesting when she applies so they say in the book she like applies this stamp the to summon basically to summon the Shazon like mindset and she like takes the stamp out after Galtana um gives them to her out of mercy he's like i don't i don't necessarily agree with you as a person because you've decided to do forgery but i also don't want to see you killed so there is a connection there between those two and he is also just very impressed that she was actually able to pull off the soul stamp for the emperor but she like takes the stamp and she applies it to her bicep and <clears throat> this is what this is the part i was like excited to talk about there's a dip like so in another book I've read, uh, there's this thing called a glamour, which changes the perception of something from like a sword into like an amulet. You know, it changes size, but it's not like it's kind of like a doesn't change like the essence of it, but just the way that people are perceiving it. But in here, it's not just a glamour, like it's not just changing, but because it mentions that, you know, that her cheek is different and that like they say when she does it she has like two timelines in her head like her creating the soul stamp and then like her fighting with this warrior group of people and then like it kind of erases the soul stamp and then she becomes that person and it's interesting because there's also physical changes like she's been working out non-stop for 12 years and um, her hair changes. So it's not just like a glamour. It's not just superficial. There's actually changes in the body and in her neurological pathway. She knows martial arts now. So from my understanding, the neuroscience behind skill building is like if you're performing martial arts, you need to do a move like 60 to like 70 times to actually learn it and it to become part of your muscle memory. And yep. so yep. there's all of this rewriting of the brain and that she has done all this practice, that she has 12 years of experience. Um, and that's like she gets to draw on that. And that's when she like fights the blood sealers um, like skull animals. And that's when uh, she's and then like uh, zoo is after her. So zoo is her like guard in the building. And then like. He like runs around the corner. He's like, I shall like you need to get back in your cell. And he and she like he doesn't even finish his sentence. She like yeah. like yeah. chops his windpipe, like breaks six ribs, and <laughs> he's like crumpled yeah. on the floor. And he, and they're like Shazon is like a river. So that's like her in her warrior mode. She didn't even break stride. She grabbed the dagger, cut off his cloak, and like flung it around herself without breaking stride. I was like, ooh, Brandon Sanderson, that was good. That was real good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have any thoughts about the Shazon? Um, no, I just really, I think it's really interesting how it's not just like mental changes, it's physical body changes as well. I thought that was really interesting because she doesn't even need to wear glasses anymore, which is like, you can just put something on your bicep and like, it just fixes your, your eyesight. I don't know. It's just like, it just seems really cool that, um, like, could she make a, could she make a stamp that would just fix your eyesight? 
Like that's all it did. It's like it could be used in like a healing aspect. Um, I think. Yeah, but also it's all it's all temporary, space. right? Because the stamps like wear off, and you kind of have to reuse it. Yeah. True. But I guess that could. Just but I mean, like, it could. I mean, I would. It, you know, it's just like putting your contacts on in the morning, right? You know, like. Yeah, or it's like you have to take a you have to take a pill every week for your uh, allergies or something like that. Like yep. something that you would just do like every week or something just to make sure that you could keep your eyesight good or something like that. I just think that's that's an interesting other application you could potentially use it for. And it also speaks to like Galtana's like disappointment in a sense of like her using her gifts for a forgery where she could be using it for things that are more noble, I guess, instead of doing um like stealing and doing the various things. Um, like he kind of thinks that she should be a little bit more altruistic about things and do things that are less selfish, I guess, in a way. So, yeah, that was that was my only thought about the 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 Shizan, Shazan. It's uh yeah, that was a really cool one. And then so yeah, we'll move on. So there's four others. We'll kind of make these go a little quicker. So the yeah. scholar <laughs> using the essence mark, she can speak a dozen languages from um, Fen to Muladil and a few others. She knows dozens of cultures and how to move in them. She knows science, mathematics, uh, many major political factions of the world. Well, that's helpful. I'm just going to turn into a scholar for 24 hours and know a bunch of stuff I didn't know a few hours ago. Yeah, these yeah. essence marks are really cool magic. Like, you basically... <clears throat> So part of your life is you have to choose what path am I going to go? What skills am I going to embrace? What is like my defining feature? And you don't have to choose anymore. Well, actually <laughs> in this, you in Shay's world, you have to choose to be a soul, um, to create soul stamps with forgery and just pursue that. But then once you've done that, you can have any background that you want uh, as you create, as yep. you forge your own soul. Um, so that's an interesting thought experiment. Like what if I had unlimited potential? Because essentially you have unlimited time. I mean, it took her eight years to create these five. We're only talking about the second one right now, these five, um, essence yep. marks. Yep. Um, but yeah, what do you, do you think about the scholar? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these are just like, they were designed for like specific purposes for like whenever she needs to infiltrate certain areas to get into places. So like if she needs to make it seem like she's very knowledgeable and scholarly to get into these like prestigious um, palaces or like places where they the keep right all the right social groups art. to gain yeah, access the right to certain groups. people. Yeah, for sure. So like that would be good for like the scholar and then, the beggar is really good for like blending, like not standing out to anything like you're you do this big heist or whatever. And then you change into the beggar where you're just like, yeah, the beggar's the third one. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. They're just really good for like, it's like the ultimate infiltrator um, loadout, I guess. Like you can just, I wonder how long it like, can you like swap them all the time? Like, uh, like, oh it, yeah um, like, i think it was implied that like once you use it it's gone um because like she would have to remake it again i think that was what kind of how i understood it maybe i'm wrong but um, well i think um, i think she like 
Because, I mean, the Emperor's Soul, it has to be stamped every day. So I think that once she crafts it, like, it's okay. kind of set. Okay. Um, okay. And then cause we'll there's also a thing, like, on the day, like, there's 28 days or 24 days. She said, like, I've created all my different paints. Now I have to make the actual stamp and, like, combine it. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I guess she just worked on these for uh, – well, they said worked, she worked on these for eight years. Um and just committed yep. herself to yep. being able to have these things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you brought up number three, the beggar. So I'll talk about the number four, uh, which is the survivalist. The essence marks gives her keen skills as a woodman, woodsman hunter, as um, many other useful surviving in the wilderness. Um, now, I thought there was one. Let's see. The way out is the last one, but what's the one that like gave her contortionist skills? You remember them talking about like her being able to escape from her scale, uh, her cell, excuse me, if um she had like that one stamp. I I don't see that in my notes here, but they definitely mentioned that. I was like, oh, that's another crazy thing. Like she could like climb up walls or you know escape out of really small spaces, like was mentioned. Maybe that was the Shay. Maybe that was the Shazan one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that one is it. Um. And yeah, so the survivalist. I mean, that's her. Just like, if she's, if if she's not in a city situation where she needs the beggar skill, she becomes the survivalist. Like she's traveling between countries and she's out in yep. the middle of nowhere. She's just like, oh, I'm gonna survive. No problem. Don't need anyone <laughs> yep. else's help because. Yep. I've got all the experience myself. Yeah, I feel like all of these are in a way survivalist ones. They just allow her to survive in different scenarios. So yep. like the survivalist is like the outdoor hunter, trapper, surviving in the wilderness kind of thing. The beggar is like surviving in like the slums and um, trying to escape from like a like a palace or something like that where she needs to go off the radar. The scholar is like how she gets into book. these places. Um, like she can use all of these different ways to get out of specific situations or to get herself into specific situations. Um, so yeah, they all, she, they were clearly very um, deliberately thought out, which is why it probably took her so long to craft all of them because they were all made with a specific purpose in mind so that they all complemented each other in some, uh, in some really good way. So Yeah. No wonder it took so long for her to make them. Yeah. And then the final one, the final of the uh, five essence marks that she created is called The Way Out. Uh, she knows cooking and farm work and sewing. Um, she visited a resealer and was given a remedy, which is actually a soul stamp for this essence mark for an illness. She believes that she will die unless she has applies the soul stamp every morning. Um, and then it goes into how she's covering up her tracks so that she can't. So basically she's built in a way for her to give herself the soul stamp every day so that she never breaks out of this, um, this routine of being a, basically like a, I'll just use the word commoner, uh, in this time, maybe where she's just on the farm and doing work and cooking and sewing and all this stuff. Um, and, and so what did you think about her programming a way out of uh, her life as a soul stamper? What did you think about that? 
Yeah, that one also had like the like it wipes all of her memory of how to do soul stamping and all of that kind of stuff. So like she would just forget all about like her history and how she learned how to do all this stuff. So yeah, I think it's um it's interesting just because she it seems like she believes so uh she believes so much in what she does as a forger, but she's still leaving herself away. Like if it ever becomes too much, she can just like get out immediately and she can just go and live like a simple a simple life and i think it was i think it was mentioned in there that she she does sometimes think about a life that's just very simple and common and um ordinary and not one filled with so much stress and like high (laughs) high intensity situations just so a life that's not uh that's that's really um just way more muted than she's used to. Um, so I think in some, on some level she longs for that. Um, and I think all of these essences are just like a little piece of her that's like amplified to take up a bigger part of her life. So like in some aspects she is a warrior and that's what the Shazan is like. And so the Shazan then becomes, she's like all warrior and same with this, like the scholar, she's already like pretty scholarly, but this one like amplifies that. So I think a lot of these already just amplify things that are already true about her, but they make her better and more proficient. And in those um, specific things where maybe she's, she's only a novice in some of those things, but those essence marks make her like professionals in those um, yeah, I think they mentioned like the lock picking skills, like when she she's like good in her normal mode. Yeah. But when she becomes a beggar, she's just like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I think it's it's just really interesting. It's just a really cool premise that you can basically like swap out your personal characteristics on the fly, essentially. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. I wonder if she could use it like. Even, you know, she said that, um, you know, the way out is a way for her to, like, I wonder if she could, like, use it for, like, five years to go deep underground and then have, like, something programmed to, like, come get her out of the soul, like, someone comes and steals the soul stamp and then she, like, returns to herself. Um, But that'd be an interesting way to, like, um, go underground you don't even know who you are. You just go like find a society and be like, yep, I'm going to plant myself here. Here we go. <laughs> yep. Well, I think at the end, didn't it say something about how she changed the, um, she changed the way out soul stone or soul stamp thing to be a little bit different than what it was. I think she said that she changed it so that she had some kind of important father figure so that she could remember in some way um, the role that Gautona had played um in her time at the palace something like that where she was able to just kind of keep a little piece of um of herself that she maybe previously would have forgotten if she had used that so yeah and i and i think that's interesting because i think um you know in the bible it it talks about you know who you decide to keep around you are the people that will have the most influence on you um, and her and Galtina had had, um, she, you know, she said that she had to be honest with him to make her her con, basically, to get out and get away. 
um, yep. successful yep. with him. She said that was the only way to win him over. That was the only thing that she had left was to be completely honest. And uh, yep. they, they created a relationship, even though it was adversarial at some times. Um, they, yep. they did have a connection because he did help her escape and he did give her back her five um, yep. essence marks. Yep. There's like a mutual respect between them, even though they were on somewhat opposite sides from one another. Um, but I think well, they had to basically kind of work elbow to elbow with her. And it was interesting because, like, you know, he had to yep. look over yeah. her shoulder and see how much time and effort and how amazing she is as a soul forger to, to actually make it happen. Yep. And I think the um, just like her and Galtona, how you said that she had to be honest with him. Um, she said that I think there was a quote in there that said something like the only way that I could manipulate you was by being just being genuine. Like she couldn't actually manipulate him by, by lying. She had to manipulate him by just being herself. Um, and I thought that was a really cool parallel for just like us as Christians and how like, we're not trying to manipulate people, but we want to be like ambassadors for Christ and for the gospel. And the best way to do that is to just be, genuine with people and just show the love of God to them and not try to like think of these ways to like, Oh, if I could just get them to see it this way, then then, then I'll convert them or like something like that, or just get them to see my point of view or whatever. You just have to like be a friend to people. You have to just um, like be there whenever they need you. You have to um, just be a genuine person and build a relationship with people. And then you can, uh, influence them in certain ways because you've built up that rapport and that friendship with that person instead of trying to just meet them and like share the gospel immediately it's more about building relationships with people and less about just um like beating people over the head with the bible or something like that or like the fire and brimstone preacher people it's like that's not gonna convert people you have to get to know them know their story know where they came from in order to understand and then speak into their life with truth. So I love that you just said all that. I mean, that's, I completely agree that the way we're going to win influence with people is not to, um, it's not to say, it's not to sit there and explain to them, this is why you should follow Christ. It's to live, it's to walk the walk um, and, and just not, you know, I think of Sir Gowan and the Green Knight that uh, Tyler and I saw together with our wives and how he's about to do a kindness for someone. And, and he turns around and he says, well, what's in it for me? You know, that kind of expectation yeah. that if you do something nice for someone, like you're looking for something in return. And like Christians are called to just do things uh, because it is the right thing. And they also say to do them silently. Like, um, you know, God says to, you know, give to him when no one's looking. And, uh, you know, there's like the humble brags on Facebook. Like, oh, I just, you know, got done at my homeless drive. There were 250 (laughs) participants and I was able to organize, blah, blah, like, if you're doing it to make the Facebook post, your your heart, I mean, yeah. May, yeah. maybe you're promoting it. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it is a good thing. But the, but if yeah. if this yeah. if the person's heart is, I want people to see how good of a person I am. Like yep. it is better just to go to the homeless shelter and serve, you know, one weekend a month or whatever you can do, and just 
not tell anyone. And then if it comes up, say, hey, I do this once a month. Why don't you come with me? And then, you yep. know, you're inviting people into your walk with Christ um, because you're you're feeling called to do it. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I'm on board with what you're saying. It's like the way that we're going to win people over is not by beating them over our head with our own understanding of Christianity. It's to stand beside people, walk beside people to give them the love and the support that they need, because that's what God wants us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, I think another kind of Christian worldview themed thing that I saw, um, was one, at one point in the story where they're talking about, um, how the emperor Ashravan, Ashraven, Ashravan, who, Ashravan, uh, Ashravan, he grew a bit complacent in his, uh, his being emperor and he became very indulgent in being emperor and which was different than how he started out being emperor. He started out being like, he wants to be a good king. He wants to be a person who's for the people and thinking about their needs above the needs of himself or like the, the people who are well off or the other people that are in power. And slowly over time, that just became something that he wasn't really um, into anymore. And I thought that was interesting parallel for the Christian life, because I think sometimes we can, um, just become complacent in our own walk with God. Like the longer you're a Christian, sometimes the longer you just feel like I already know all the stuff about Christianity there is to know. Like I don't need to read my Bible anymore. I don't need to um, pray anymore um, or just whatever it is. Like I don't need to do it anymore because I feel like I don't get anything out of it or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it's in, it's in doing that and becoming complacent that we become um, less like afraid of our sin and we're more willing to um, like act out on sinful things because we um, like don't take our faith seriously in a sense anymore. Like it's just kind of something that we're just doing. We're doing it for the motions, not because we actually believe in it. And um that was kind of like the thing that we said before, like we're on and off the journey at the end of the podcast or at the beginning of the podcast. And that, I think a lot of that's, that is a description of a lot of like the Christian life is just coming. You're really on the Christian life. And then like you have times where you're just like completely off the rails and you're just, you're not doing anything Christian related. You're not reading your Bible. You're you're Yeah. You're just out in the wind. You're blowing around and you don't have any foundation or, um, um, like the house built on the sand or what, I forget what passage that is in scripture, but yeah, yeah. Build your uh, house on the rock, um, you know, yep. on God's scripture yep. and his solid foundation will see you through the, through the mean times and the hard times. Um, and if you build on sand, you're just going to, just going to sink and <laughs> things are going to fall apart. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you had me, you had me thinking, um, oh boy. Nope. That ship has <laughs> sailed. It's not coming back. Uh, that's okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably a good place to end it on the just keep uh, like remember to like keep your um, spiritual disciplines at the forefront because um, that will like, keep you on the uh, on the right path. They came back. back. Okay. So it's on that topic. So like, you know how you're saying like, you're not practicing or you're not like 
getting into the scripture and stuff and you're becoming less afraid of your sin. Um, that I really like the way you said that because um, like the the Holy Spirit is supposed to be within you and like if you're not feeding it like um, and, and and like growing in my faith, I, I think I've um, been seeking God for about seven years in my life. Um, like I didn't even know that I was sinning a lot of the time. And and the further you reach into the Bible and the further that you look for truth, you realize that there are so many little things and and it's, and it is in the little things, just like those little like changes, like, Oh, I need to do it for, you know, like, like we were talking about with serving the homeless people, like, where's my heart? Like, I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to do it because that's what God calls me to do versus like, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell people about it. And like, that's, that's the whole objective. And and that's not where God's heart is. Uh, So I was just going to say that like checking back in with God and like, it should be like a daily thing because if you're not checking in with him for days, like you're just getting further and further from him. It's supposed to be like little check-ins. It doesn't need to be this big monumental things, but just like, um, God speak to me a little bit or let me sit and meditate on your words today. Or let me even just take a moment to pray about the hardship so that I can respond to it in a more spiritual way in a better way. Um, yeah. So I was just coming back to, it's not like, it should be like a day. It should be part of your daily flow versus like, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, Cause you need that check-in with God to kind of keep you moving in the right direction. Yeah. Very good. Well said. Um, yeah, I think we'll leave it there on that. Um, if you have any thoughts on just the hope of Elantris or the emperor's soul, Make sure you leave a comment on the YouTube video that will go up along with this podcast. And if you do want to support the podcast, please go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Um, You can check out our website as well. Follow us on social media. Um, If you ever get a chance to just share the podcast with somebody, whether that's on social media or just in person, please do it. Um, We just need you to share it with one. Just one person. Just get them on board. That's right. Um, yeah, I think the next episode is going to be uh, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Uh, both of us have read this book, but it has been a long time since I've read it. Um, so it'll be good to revisit it. And yeah, this will be our jump into some science fiction. And we'll take a little bit of a break from some Brandon Sanderson. And then we have some uh, other things planned for the rest of the year. Uh, so yeah, I hope you guys stay tuned for all of those things. And yeah, Gabe, where can people follow you if they want to see what you're up to? Neighborhoodnerdservices.com. I'm either going to do slash QQ or slash quarantine quartermaster. We'll see which one of those websites gets up first. uh, And then I'll start (laughs) posting there. Cool. Yeah. So links to all of those things will be in the description, of course. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast and you really get value out of it make sure you leave a review on apple podcasts um, so we can reach more people and uh to share how we're thinking about novels and stuff like that uh from a specifically christian worldview and how it can influence our uh, our christian life so yeah thanks for listening remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week and we will see you guys in the next episode see ya